Today's episode of Down to Dunk is brought to you by Robinhood. With Robinhood, you can invest in stocks, options, and ETFs right from your phone. You can even spend and earn interest on uninvested cash. And with fractional shares, you can buy stocks in any amount, including companies like Apple, Amazon, and Tesla, for as little as $1. And that's with no commission fees or account minimums. So whether you're new to investing and ready to learn or just looking for a better experience, stop waiting and join the 10 million Robinhood users. Listeners can get started with a free stock by going to dunks.robinhood.com. That's dunks.robinhood.com. All investments involve risk. This is not an investment advice, a recommendation, or a solicitation of any security. Other fees may apply. Visit rbnhd.co forward slash fees. The free stock program is subject to certain limitations. Annual percentage yield on uninvested cash is paid by program banks and is variable. Robinhood Financial is not a bank. I'm Deontay Burton, and I'm down to dunk. I'm Hamadou Diallo. Hey, I'm Danilo Gallinari. I'm Chris Paul, and I'm down to dunk. I'm Luke Dort, and I'm down to Dort. What's Dort? I'm not going to lie. I don't know what that was. In English, bro. I'm Darius Baisley, and I'm down to dunk. I'm Shake Gilchrist Alexander. I'm Steven Adams. I'm Andre Robertson, and I'm down to dunk. On you. Welcome to Down to Dunk. I'm your host, Andrew Schleck. We're part of the Athletic Podcast Network. With me today is my good friend, Michele Barra. Michele, what's up? Do you know that Lugens Stort is player number five for the Thunder in on-off ratings? <laughs> that sounds about right, doesn't it? I mean, <laughs> well, of course, it's a tiny sample size. Tiny sample but, size. But still... Um, the defense with him on the court is insanely good. The offense, not so much, but sure. um, the, that you expect. Yeah. I mean, I just like to see him, to watch him on the court. Mm-hmm. It, it's weird, but it's one of those players that when he like comes off the bench, I'm genuinely happy and curious about whatever he will do on the court. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there hasn't been a time yet where I'm like, okay, that's enough. We got to get Lou off the court. And that's happened... Obviously, it's happened with Nader throughout his time. It's happened with Deontay, even this season. And that's just the nature of two-way guys. Even like Kevin Hervey, in the limited minutes that he's had, you're like, okay, all right, that was cool. Let's get get somebody else in there. And with Dort, it hasn't felt like that at all. Like, he looks like he belongs. He can defend really well, and he's got a feel for the game, and he's always thought of himself as more of a point guard. And so, Mm -hmm. and he... He's not really an NBA-level point guard. I think that's clear. But I think he has the decision-making skills of a kind of hybrid guard that can do a lot of things. I mean, he defended Mello. He can defend point guards. Like, he can defend one through four. Like, And he's got the strength to do it. And he's just – he's an interesting prospect. I don't know if he'll get a fully guaranteed deal this year. I think it just depends on what happens, you know, before February Mm -hmm. 6th. Uh, but man, I think that they they have themselves at least a a wing defender that has potential to be a decent offensive player. Like very, he's very Tony Allen esque, and that mm-hmm. his three point shot. I if I was a betting man, I would not bet that it's going to work out. But yeah, he's slashing. 
He can make good passes. He can make stuff happen on the offensive end. And almost every time that he plays, he does. And so that's very Tony Allen-esque, where Tony was not ever going to shoot it from deep, but he was going to make things happen on the offensive end anyways. Yeah, and there are times, uh, like just for the sake of making a comparison, that when Hami has the ball in his hands, I can say, "Uh uh-oh, this is not what you want to do in transition. Mm -hmm. I think that even if Dort had like less chances to 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 prove us wrong and to to make mistakes i think that as you said his feel for the game is at a higher level compared to hami or or to ferg he really knows how to play but you're right i mean he's not an nba level uh point guard as of now and probably will not be because i mean he lacks of shooting he lacks of uh probably the passing Mm -hmm. Uh, i i read some comparison well some some fans on twitter that wanted to to make the comparison between him and and marcus smart well smart was elite at what like at the point guard position in college he was really really good yep. and and he still is in terms of generating offense for others yes his best threat as a um, best quality as an nba player is being able to defend whatever uh player uh, you, you throw at him including some centers but but he can still play high level passing and he can really handle the ball in in a in an NBA offense. I am not sure that Lou can be that player, but the way in which he is able to step on the court and defend a player like Lillard, which is incredibly difficult to guard, yep. is insane. Like mm-hmm. rookies at 20 years old don't defend like that. Not even Marcus Smart. Smart was not this kind of defender when he entered in the league. Mm-hmm. It was tough. It was going uh, for loose balls. But to to defend players like Lillard or Mitchell or Curry or whatever, you need to have some technique. It's not just effort. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Lou has a lot of good stuff uh, on defense. He can move his feet. He can already uh, trying to navigate the screen, which is extremely hard to do. It took Ferg an entire summer to learn that. And it's, again, it's crazy that Lou at 20 years old is already capable of doing that. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, it's really something. Yeah, I like him. I think that he's, he's got a long, long way to go as an offensive player. Oh, yeah. Um, but at least he's got a foundation as a good defender. And if he can f- ever figure it out, on the offensive end. Because, I mean, you look at his his general stats, and you're right, it's a small sample. He's taken 29 shots this year, but he's 34% from the field, 11% from three, wow. 61% from the free throw line on 13 free throws. I mean, and that, the 13 free throws is kind of significant because Deontay has played almost twice the minutes that he has, and he has, Lou has more free throw attempts than Burton mm-hmm. does. Like, he has an aggression about him, um, and he's not afraid to mix it up in the paint. And so he, <laughs> and this is even more wild. He has two more free throw attempts than Terrence Ferguson does. Lou Dort wow. does. <laughs> I mean, that's weird. I mean, that's just straight up weird. I mean, Fergus played 935 minutes, and he's shot 11 free throws. Lou Dort yeah. has played 135 and has 13. I mean, that's just... That just shows you the kind of season that Ferg has had. And I hate that we have to pile on Ferg almost every single episode. But these kind of things, 
should not be a thing. I mean, if if he was a guy that had no athleticism and he was just a guy that stood out there and just shot the ball and that was it, you know, if he's like a poor man's Joe Harris who just stays out there and just shoots and that's it, I would, yeah. I'd be like, okay, I get it. You're not going to get fouled on three point shots that are open. You never will. But Ferguson is one of the more yeah. athle- most athletic shooting guards in the league, and he uses none of it. And I know we rail at that <laughs> almost every week, but it's just yeah. true. It's just true. It is. It is true. And it's the thing where I'm not sure if I'm if I can find some positive spins on the good games or or those games make things even worse. Mm -hmm. Because on one hand, you can say, uh, wow, Ferg is able to do that. Like he's able when he wants that or when he's engaged or when he's confident, probably this is the right uh, word to use. He's a really useful player. Mm-hmm. Um, like against Mini, I thought he had a very good game. And then he completely disappears. Mm-hmm. And so is this a positive? Like you, you, you should watch those good games and, and take like a positive uh, from those or a negative because you can say, well, if you can do that, why you're so passive all the others? Right. And so I, I, I don't really know. Yeah. Um, I had, again, uh, I was completely wrong about him, uh, up, up until now. Uh, and I don't really know why, because the Ferguson that plays, uh, in those good games is exactly the one that I had in mind, like a player that can do a little bit more when, when he's defended closely, he can attack a closeout. He can, he can go at the rim, he can cut, he can move, but in other games, he just disappears completely so Mm -hmm. i i don't really know yeah it's hard it's it's a hard thing to reconcile for sure and i think it's it's something that's holding the thunder offense back pretty significantly in my mind is that you you have shooting guards really all the shooting guards that are on the team are just are not generating a lot of offense whoa for oklahoma city so shay well, not Shea. Shea's, Shea's not really shooting. not. Shea's really not a. a sh- I mean, I guess he's the shooting guard, like the nominal shooting guard. But I'm talking about like yeah, these, yeah I know the wing. Like, <laughs> yeah, of course you know <laughs> <laughs> Ferguson and you know. I mean, Nader's been okay generating offense this year. He's been okay, mm-hmm. but like Ferguson and Nader and Burton and Dort, like they're all just like these projects, and none of them are like great scores, and. More and more as the league evolves, that's the skill that you want is to be able to score and to be able to shoot it. And more and more these elite defenders where that's all they can do. And I love Lou Dort and I think he's awesome. And I loved Andre Robertson's career. But more and more those guys are becoming less important uh, to the NBA. And those guys have a hard time, you know, even getting on rosters or sticking or playing good minutes. It's it's going to the shooters. It's going to the guys that can do multiple things. And so to me for, for OKC, they're really trying to develop Ferguson who remember he's 21. So it's not like this is over. Like everything is over for him. I know he's in his third year. He's still very young. There's still a chance for him to develop. It's in there to me, a player that can do it all is in there with Terrence Ferguson. Can the Thunder get it out of him is the question. I don't know. But it's in there. We've seen it. We've seen it in maybe three or four games this year. That's not enough, but it's in there. Can they do it? 
I don't know. But to me, that's a spot that the, that the Thunder really need to look at going forward. And maybe that is ultimately Shea's spot, and they find a point guard of the future for this team, and mm-hmm. that's great. I think that's obviously an ideal solution. But if Shea is your point guard going forward, that spot needs to be upgraded. And to me, that that's why the three-guard lineup works so well, is every single player can do multiple things with the basketball and score in multiple ways. And that is the key to the to the yeah. three-guard lineup working. And that will be the key moving forward for OKC, is that you can't have guys on the perimeter anymore that can do one thing on offense, and that's it. They have to be able to do multiple things. Oh, I agree 100% on that. Uh, so let's take a look at the standings, and then I was going to look at uh, the last 10 games for uh, some of these Western Conference teams, which is pretty interesting. So the Thunder sit at 24 and 19, seventh in the Western Conference. They are a full five and a half games back of the Denver Nuggets, who are now the sixth seed, which is kind of wild. Wait, no, that's not right. Hold on. Sorry. That's point differential. Okay. Let's try that again. The Houston Rockets are actually the sixth seed, and they sit, what is it, two and a half or three full games back of, of Houston. Dude, <laughs> this is wild that the Thunder yeah. are only three games back of Houston after that trade was made. After, I mean, the goal, so when the Thunder sent Russell Westbrook to Houston, it's title or bust for Houston. And when they sent Chris Paul back to OKC, it was like, get him out of here. Like, get him gone. And OKC lost their two big stars, and now they're only three games back of the six-seed Houston Rockets, who have struggled as of late. They're 5-5 five and five in their last 10. And to illustrate the last 10, in net rating, the Thunder are ranked 10th in the last 10 games. They haven't... Mm-hmm. Been, this has not been their best stretch. They're 6-4 and four in their last 10 games. But they still have yeah. a net rating of, of 3.1. Houston's 11th at a 2.1. So the last 10 games, the Thunder have outperformed Houston, which I wouldn't have guessed there would have been any stretch during the season that that this would have happened. Just because this team, this Houston team has the ability to be elite. And we've seen it in smaller stretches, but it's been a rough year for Houston. The 26 and 15, that, that number sounds great, but they, I mean, to lose 15 games already before the All-Star break, uh, that's not an quite an elite team yeah i mean it's not that they had the hardest stretch possible in the last 10 games i mean they faced the lakers as the thunder they faced the blazers and the grizzlies no well, the didn't face the Grizzlies. um uh, timberwolves and then 76ers and nuggets and the hawks mm-hmm. so i mean it's it's not the hardest schedule. No. It's basically, I don't know, probably it's even easier than the one that OKC got because they got the Hawks. And, and still, OKC got, got an, a better net rating. I'm not sure about, about the Rockets as a team. I mean, they their depth is so bad mm-hmm. that sometimes you just don't have enough players or you, your best player all needs to, to bring it all the time. If you compare the depth that OKC has is way more interesting than the one that the Rockets has. And so if you 
if you sum that to the problems that a Russell Westbrook-led team has, uh, I don't know. I don't know what to think. They have a very high ceiling because if those two play an amazing playoff series, they can beat probably anyone in the West. Mm -hmm. But on the other end, if they don't have the full roster available, like if Gordon sits again or if somehow anything on the bench doesn't work, they are really thin. And so it's weird. I don't know what to expect uh, from tonight's game. Um, Because again, anything can happen with Houston. It's... I expect them to bounce back. Like, honestly, I think that this OKC game is probably something that they've circled, at least in their minds, and said, okay, we got embarrassed on national TV by this Thunder team, and we can beat this Thunder team. Like, they're a... This this Houston Rockets team is a better team because they have James Harden, and they have the top-end talent. Um, They're better. And they haven't played like it recently, but to me, I would, I'd be a little surprised if Houston doesn't win today, uh, mm. just because I think that they are due for a bounce back game. And to me, it just depends on what happens. Like in that Blazers game, the shot distribution was so weird. There were three guys in the starting lineup that took more shots than James Harden. That should never, ever, ever happen. Never. Yeah. Ben McLemore took three more shots than James Harden. What? <laughs> Russell Westbrook took 10 more shots than James Harden. Clint Capella took two more shots than James Harden. What is going on? Eric Gordon, he took six more shots than James Harden. What is going on? Yeah, that's that's completely weird. And the Blazers, uh, it's not like they have like some lockdown defender on the Blazers. They don't have they don't have a Lou Dort on the Blazers. <laughs> I, I really, by the way, uh, again on Lou Dort, I, I hope he plays tonight. I do too. Uh, to see to see how he guards uh, Harden. I would love Not it. To- this, this, here's here's a like a a little fan fan fiction for OKC is that Ferguson is still sick. I don't know what's going on with Ferguson. I'm, I don't know if he's sick. I don't know what it is. Anyways, yeah. I when I heard, when I hear sick from OKC without any like. Mm, detail yeah my instagram post about his grandma or something i don't know what's going on he may be sick yeah i hope it uh, i hope it's nothing like it just that that word gives me a lot of bad memories about my one of my favorite player abrinas and oh i know i i really hope that it's nothing like that but anyway back to back to ludor (laughs) that would be so bad okay uh thunder fan fiction uh, Ferguson's still sick. Start Lou Dort on James Harden. Oh, no, no. That that will not happen. I know, but I want it to happen. I want yes. that to happen. I, I like, like Hami's okay. I'm I'm kind of souring on Hami a little bit. And maybe it's maybe it's an overreaction. Um hmm. but Hami's decision like Hami's got a long way to go with his decision making uh on the offensive end. And he's a guy that makes stuff happen. His defense has improved some. Uh, it's still not great, but it's pretty good. Um, he still has a long way to go, and he yeah. he's just and he's just a loud player. I mean, we've the Thunder know loud players. He's he's a loud player. He does things big. And so, uh, if I was writing a Thunder fan fiction about this this game, is that the the Thunder force 
James Harden to take only 12 shots again, like he did against the Blazers. And it's because of the play of Lou Dort. That's, and I've, and I've declared Lou Dort a guy. I think he's a guy. I guess we have to talk about that a little bit because not everybody's a guy and a guy means this is a rotation player in the NBA. And I think they can play. Um, and let's see, we have a question about this at zero thunder up zero ask is a guy, a guy, or is there a fresh fruit to chicken nuggets scale to guys? Uh, to me, it's just, they cross this threshold. And, um, if I think that they can play, then they can play. And that's what I think Ludor can play. I'm still not convinced. I think that Nader can shoot, which is great. Mm-hmm. But I'm just not convinced that he plays for everybody. I think Ludor has the ability to play for everybody with his – I think he has good decision-making, and I think he can defend almost anybody. And I think that he'll he could find a spot on a lot of teams that way. Yeah. Um, I think I want to see Ludor play tonight. Uh, if Nader was like probably also Nader and, and what you said about Diallo, I, I think the same and probably, um, I mean, even more down the line, I, I saw some glimpses of him being better at decision-making at the beginning of the season. Yeah. Since he came back from the injury, he, it seems that he went back to his last year self. Yeah. Where it was just forcing everything in transition. Uh, the three-point shot is not there. Um, defense is okay, but but it's not on, on door level. Like we, it's it's not the same. I mean, Burton is better than him. Ludort is better than him. Ferguson is better. Mm-hmm. And so, if you get just the loud plays, that can help you. I don't don't get me wrong. They can really help you. Sure. But still, I I don't know if it can be. Um, a very good rotation player going forward. He can be uh, a pl- an energy plug from the bench, but that's mm-hmm. about it. Mm-hmm. And I think Dort can play, and I want to see him playing more to to get a better comprehension of this assessment. Like I, I really want to see if this is true or if he just got lucky for eight games. Yep. Uh, let's go to some questions. Uh, from- yeah. So I asked for questions for Thunder After Dark, but instead you got a really good episode with Kelly <laughs> and um, with Sean Hyken. It's, it's great. So you should make sure that you're listening to that. Uh, they talk about the trade that the Blazers made and you know potential Gallinari trades. So it's it's a good it's a good podcast to listen to. Uh, so this one is from at Ben Elephant King, and he asks, "How good are those Houston picks looking right now?" So to just remind everybody, they have two first-round picks in 2024 and 2026 that are top three protected, and then they have um, pick swaps with them in 2021 and 2025. So, McKelly, what are your thoughts on on these picks? My only thoughts on on these picks is the same that I had as soon as the trade went down, which is... I'm really scared about the the protection in the coming years. Be, meaning they they are just one goal, like like one 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 shot. If you get it, you get it. If not, it goes to two seconds. Mm-hmm. I think, and that scares me because 2021 probably would be something that we get. Period. Uh, but the the later ones, the pick swap. They, yeah, swaps. The, the swaps are protected as well. I think. Oh, okay. Let me, yeah. Top four protected. Yeah, I think. That's right. 
So it's basically one shot every year. And even if I don't think that they will be as bad for three consecutive seasons or two consecutive seasons, yeah. there is a chance that, that that in 2023 and 2024, they land twice in the top three because it's it's really a chance, a, a slim chance, but still. Mm-hmm. And if you don't get those, then half of the value of the trade or more than half goes away. That's why it's crucial to me that OKC really tries to to get value from Chris Paul one way or the other, because the Houston picks are good, but maybe Houston will be too bad. <laughs> and and those are really not uh, as valuable uh, as they seems. On the other end, since no one can know what happens in the future, those picks can still be currency today, meaning they have an eye an eye value today. And so maybe you can, you can group them together and and put on put together a package to get a better pick. I don't know in 2021. Mm-hmm. Say that there is someone that you like at number six in 2021, mm-hmm. and you have number eight. You can take one of those and and move and go up in the draft, or maybe even like more than just two spots. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I don't know. Yeah, the pick swap in 2021 is one through four protected. The swap in 25 is one through 20 protected. I didn't. I guess I had forgotten that. Yeah, they they are protected. Yeah, that one's heavily protected. And then one through four on 24 and 26. So yeah, you never know. I mean, you just never know. You don't even know. Coming up to this season, it looked like that Grizzlies pick with the Celtics was gonna be phenomenal. Yes. Like, oh, this guy's just a crazy pick. How did they get this asset? Now it's like, oh, the Grizzlies are pretty good. <laughs> and this is yes. just going to be kind of a middling pick and a middling draft. And so you just never you just never know what these picks will turn out to be. Um, yeah, on that pick, for example, like if you said to me at the beginning of the season, the Celtics trade to, to you uh, the Memphis pick for Steven Adams, I would say yes. And now, eh, maybe... Yeah, not so good. So yeah, in a matter of like that. Yeah. four months, it changed completely the value. Yeah. Same with the Brooklyn pick that turned out to be uh, Sexton. Mm-hmm. I think so. Yep. That that pick Boston um, Boston had like a a very good asset. Mm-hmm. They turned it into Kyrie, mm-hmm. but in the end, Cleveland didn't get enough for that. Well, they just so, took the wrong guy. Yes, yes, but I, I think that very few people would have drafted Shea instead of him. Mm-hmm. Oh, they're just same all, with they're just same with wrong. Giannis. Like yeah. you can. Oh yeah, say, the Giannis like, one is is different. Mm, but n- not sure. Not Shea, sure. I mean, Shea was a lottery. Like, a, it's like this guy's a lottery pick. He's gonna he's gonna be chosen in the lottery. Giannis, it was like he could be the. He could be in the second round. Like nobody knew about Giannis, though. Yeah, don't say Giannis. Um, there are other examples. Like Donovan Mitchell. Mitchell. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like Detroit. You could say Detroit should have taken Donovan Mitchell over Luke Kennard. But yes. at the draft, that's where it was like, yeah, I don't know. Like I liked Luke Kennard. I still like Luke Kennard. But yes. Um, I, we also were very high on, on Donovan Mitchell at the draft. Yeah, but I remember, but I remember myself saying, 
I like uh, Donovan Mitchell at twenty with the twenty first pick. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure I would trade like meaningful stuff to get him at say twelve. Yeah, and that was dumb because OKC should have like. If, if they had the chance, they should have done it. But you never know. I mean, Sexton at the time was an okay pick to to make an eight. Sure. At eight. And you don't know if Sexton Sexton goes to uh, to the Clippers, what kind of player he becomes. Because mm-hmm. maybe playing alongside Lou Williams and Pat Beverly for a season changed the way you go at basketball. Yep. It's it's always tricky. Mm-hmm. It's it's not just where you. It's not just who you pick, but how you develop him. And that that is, to me, something that we don't discuss um, as much as we should. Same with Aiton. I'm not sure that Aiton in Boston or in Dallas is the same player they had in, they have in Phoenix. Yeah. Yeah. I, <laughs> it's a tough situation with the with yeah. especially with Aiton because yeah. he's a monster, but it, you still. You knew at the time this is the wrong pick. You're doing the wrong. Oh pick. no, no, no! Sure, sure. But say that 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 Luca is gone, uh, and for some reason, um, the like Aiton slides up to uh, to Dallas. That picks yeah. at five. Mm-hmm. It, it can happen, especially if um, I mean I don't know if Sacramento drafts him or not. But let's suppose that he slides to to Dallas. I don't think he's the same player. I think that Carlisle can develop him way better than what is happening in, in Phoenix. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's no doubt. Uh, at Kiwi Greg five 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 five, he asks, "Who on this team would you like to see traded?" He would like to see Dennis traded. Kelly, who would you like to see traded? Uh, weird trade, but I. I'd like to see Ferguson traded. Oh, For, wow. Yeah. Oh. No, not because I don't like him here. God, you hate but him. Such a no. hater. No, no, it's not about hate. It's about, at some point, uh, I, I really, like in the past, I really liked Jeremy Lamb because I, I think that these kind of guards are very useful and they could he could be a, a good player, yeah. but not in OKC. And that proved to be like the right thing to do with um, with Lamb. And I'm afraid that with Ferguson is the same. Yeah. So yeah. it's for some reason, again, more, it's more about what it's outside of OKC, not inside the team, but the thing that he's close to probably not the great situation, a great situation for him. Um, I want to see him thrive because he has, he has the makings of a good player. Mm-hmm. And, and so I hope he, he develops into one. And I don't think he can do it while he has his head elsewhere. Again, not I don't want to say anything bad about the team or the way in which Ferguson is developed here. Because sure. it's clear that Billy has done an amazing job uh, between year one and year two on him. But it's clear to me, as in, it's, it's also clear to me that he is not in, in a good place in terms of his personal stuff and and stuff like that. So, mm-hmm. yeah. so yeah, not not hating, but I really hope that Ferguson drives somewhere in the NBA, and I'm just afraid it's not. It's, it can, it cannot be OKC. Mm-hmm. Is Robertson a cop out answer? <sighs> yeah, I mean, who cares? <laughs> I mean, it's like he's not even in the beat writers injury report anymore. It's yeah, just. 
It's he doesn't exist. Yeah. He's in LA. He's chilling in LA. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I'm sad because again, Dre is another player that I really like, but yeah. and I don't want to 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 see other players traded. Like I don't want Gallo to be traded because I like to see him play. Same yeah. with Schroeder. Same with Chris Paul. Yeah. But I'm not. I would not be opposed to a trade that involves any of those players. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's hard because. I, the the phrase who would you like to see traded? I like this team. Yeah, I like what they can me too. do. And what I, how I guess it just depends on the return, honestly. I I would probably if you could get a good return for Hami, if there's somebody that really likes him, wants to develop him, I would like to see him traded. Um, yeah. everybody else, like I Schroeder's been really good. And if you can get a good asset for him, I'd like to see him traded. If you can't, keep him. Same with Gallo. Yeah. If you can't get, if you all you get is a protected first round pick, like a one through twenty protected first round pick from somebody, say no thanks, no thanks. Yeah. Like that's not enough, especially in this next draft. Like I'm not, I am not very interested in draft picks in this upcoming draft, unless it's a, unless maybe the Suns sent their unprotected pick. Then I'd be like, yeah, but that's okay. that's not going to happen. It should not happen. That would be very, very dumb. Yeah. If that happened, okay, willing. Otherwise, I'm not super interested in in this draft or players, you know, in this or picks in this draft. I want them further out. And so, if teams are offering their pick and it's going to be twenty to thirty in this draft, I'm just like, yeah, no thanks. We already have two of those picks, basically, or one of those picks, and then a pick in the teens. I don't. I don't think you need more in this upcoming draft. Um, so it's it's a tough question. Like to see traded? It just depends on what the offer is. So yeah, yeah, same, same. Uh, let's see. This is from at Michael Clampett. Where does Portland go from here? How often will they pay massive tax bills for a team with fairly with a fairly concrete ceiling? I know Nurk will help them, but you have to wonder about how sound building about how you can build around two undersized guards. Um, how sound that is, he asked. So, yeah, I, they're, to me, they're in trouble. I mean, I don't, I don't like the position that they're in. They need, they basically, besides Dame, CJ, Nurkic, just wipe it all away. And I guess Zach Collins, too, who we kind of forget is on this team. I keep those guys, everybody else. Let's get everybody else out and let's bring new guys in. Because what they had last year, when they had Aminu and Harkless, who I know that come playoff time, nobody guarded them. But they still got to the West Finals with those guys because they did their job. And now you're playing with guys like Whiteside. And they just traded Kent Bazemore, who was not super helpful to their team. I mean, you can't just throw anybody in there. Uh, you have to have guys that will defend and that will try hard every night. And to me, I think they made some mistakes. I think, you know, letting Aminu go was a big mistake. And, you, I mean, Melo, Melo's been good. He's been probably the best he could be. But still, that's not good enough if you're wanting to compete. Melo cannot be one of your three best players and you're competing in 2020. That's not a thing. And so right now they're just they're in a spot where they have to play Melo but to me, next year, I'm letting Melo go, I'm letting everybody else go, and I'm trying to find guys that can defend. I'm trying to find guys that fit around Damon CJ, 
and guys that aren't going to take possessions from them. And I'm making sure that Whiteside is in China or something and getting him <laughs> as far away from Portland as possible. Because that dude, I mean, he is just the – he must have – he must own himself in every fantasy team that he's got because that seems to be the only thing he tries for his stats. It's, yeah. it is crazy to watch him because you look at his stat line and almost every night and you're like, wow, look at that. Well, Whiteside's doing his job. No, he's not. No, he's not. He is out for yeah. his own interests and that is grabbing stats and winning his own fantasy league. And that's it. Yeah. It's, it's sad to say on these terms, but it's, it's true. On the other end, um, the answer to your question, to, to, to the question that Michael Clamp asked is, well, they have a clear chance here to, I think, improve the roster this season, maybe going forward. Um, there is a team in Oklahoma that has Nurse Noel and Danilo Gallinari. And if you group those two salaries together and you trade them for... Um, for Whiteside, you get much, much better. Mm-hmm. And probably you can include Deontay Burton as well to, to give you another body at a small forward spot. You can get back like one of their injured player like Scala BCA, which probably will not play for the entire season. And, and, and so you don't decrease uh, your... Uh, on-court value, you give yourself a chance to sign Gallinari. Probably you can offer the mid-level ex- exception to Noel because you don't have cap space, but you still are able to to do that. And bonus, if you trade Labissier plus um, Whiteside to OKC, in, like together with probably two for some picks, you get away from the tax this season. Mm-hmm. It costs you a lot. Because, again, it needs to be not just one first rounder because you, A, get two good players, B, get under the tax. And so it, it needs to be two. Um, but you give yourself a real chance. Uh, the other like the other way is to trade a good player that you have in exchange for something more useful to your current roster. But that means parting ways with McCollum. Do you really want to do that? Yeah. I mean, I guess you can. You can send him to Minnesota, for example, in exchange for um, Covington, Culver, and whatever package you like from the like Okogi. I don't know. Uh, I'm just yeah. throwing out their names, not not thinking about salaries and real value. Sure. But you can get functional players uh, in exchange for McCallum, but that that decreases your ceiling by quite a lot. Oh yeah. And so I don't know why you would you'd want to do that, especially because this team already proved you that when you construct a team that makes sense with defenders alongside two very good guards, you can go and be the fourth, fifth best team in the West. Mm-hmm. And I don't really understand why in the world Portland decided to do what they did in the summer. This still doesn't make any sense. Even if you have to give a raise to Aminu, give it to him. Keep Harkless. Those are not great players, but in the season, Harkless salary is not that bad. You can can maybe then find a trade to get Gallinari in December in exchange Uh for Harkless, because I don't think that OKC doesn't like that. They they can do that. Mm -hmm. 
so it's it's bizarre and now they are kind of in trouble but still i think that with giving away one or two picks in the future maybe the near future and protecting them not heavily like top five protected in 2022 and whatever picks uh they they get in 2020 maybe you can save your season because then you have a chance a slim chance but still uh, a chance to make the playoffs and still to be better next season because you, you can keep gallo there i think that they can sign him for like a three-year 22 23 24 millions or decreasing whatever mm-hmm. so i mean they are booked anyway, so they have no incentives to try to get on the free agent market before Damon CJ's contracts are off. And so, yeah, I think they, they should really look for trades like this one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't disagree. I think or even, like speaking of Minnesota, you can try to lure Covington and Jang in exchange for Whiteside. Because yeah. it gives Minnesota uh, a better outlook on the future because they will not have any money tied to Jang next next season. And maybe it costs less than what OKC, um, than, than the trade that you can do with OKC, because Covington is is good, but not as good as Gallinari. So probably he will not net you the same asset that Gallinari gives you, or maybe the same because he's, he, he's a little bit, um, he has a, a longer salary. A trade like that, I think you have to search for it. And if it costs you a first, then, then so be it. Yeah, and Gorgie Jang, not a great player, but he can shoot. I'd almost yeah. rather have him than Whiteside, just because he can shoot. Oh, sure. I hate Whiteside. I just I, I prefer to have Muscala and Noel than, than Whiteside. <laughs> I know. I know. Just because you have to play Whiteside minutes, and yeah. he's not gonna he's not gonna help you. He just won't. Mm-hmm. Uh, last question. This kind of puts a bow on our on our show a little bit here. At up to ask, if you're the Capitan on a pickup team, who are you choosing? Baisley, Dort, or Burton? Ah, uh, no, I will I will pick Dort immediately. <laughs> immediately. <laughs> immediately, yes. Yes. Tough guys, and so I mean, I'm not saying that Baisley is not tough, but mm-hmm. I mean. I'm really bad at basketball. Uh, this is a disclaimer. Uh, really, really bad. But yeah. I really play hard. Yeah. I, I I run the floor. I set screen. I I grab rebounds, and I don't do anything else. And so, um, I just want to play with guys that plays like me. Yeah. And or with very very good scorers. And since neither of like no 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 one of these guys is really a scorer, and I I just I thought. Ludort uh, could be um, a good running mate for a pickup game with me. Uh, yeah, I think I'd choose Ludort as well. <laughs> it feels, <laughs> feels kind of crazy. And ba- I'm in May, like Baisley's the only other. Like Baisley's been pretty good in spots. Mm-hmm. Um, and I guess it depends. Like, is he, are we playing against my friends? Then I'd probably choose Baisley just because he's so much bigger than everybody else. Um, I mean, my friend Lorenzo told me that he's scared about Ludort, about how big Ludort is. And he is a yeah. big dude, like mm-hmm. Lorenzo is. He's like, I don't know, six, two, yeah, uh, and change. He's so, worried about his muscle mass? Uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. He's wide. Yeah. He's like a fully formed refrigerator, basically. <laughs> no. Like, 
<laughs> but the way he uh, moves, though, does it concern you? Because it doesn't me. The way he's moving on the court, he doesn't feel too. It doesn't look too big to me when I'm watching him. But maybe I'm wrong. I don't know. He seems wide to me, like really wide. Also, this Deontay lost a lot of weight, and Jay was texting me about this. Mm-hmm. I feel like Deontay was better when he had more weight on him. Yeah, I saw a tweet at the beginning of the season uh, asking if this was something like a Samson with his hairs. And mm-hmm. uh, I don't know. I mean, to be honest with you, Burton looked pretty good against Burton as well. Yeah. He was doing oh, yeah. stuff he, out there. He played well like, against Portland. Yeah. But yeah. also that Portland team was, they were playing eight guys. Yeah. And there was a guy, I can't even think of what his name is. There was a couple guys on there that I was like, I have, n- I, Horde. I, yeah, Horde. Horde. I had never I, heard of Jalen Horde in my whole life. Never heard of I, him. I, I watched the guy and said, eh, should I know who this guy is? <laughs> I had no clue who Jalen Horde was. I thought. Is he Deonta Davis? I thought for a second. I said, no, no, he doesn't play in Portland. Right. Because <laughs> uh, I don't know who, who, who did. I, I don't know which college he played for. Uh, I, I don't know anything. I had uh, never. It's embarrassing I, for me, but uh, I know that's what I thought. I was like, "What is I? I mean, I'm I do this a lot. I know about the NBA. Um, yeah, but yeah, uh, Jalen Horde, small forward, six eight, two sixteen. He played at Wake Forest. Wake Forest, okay. twenty years old. He's from France, actually. Wow, from France to Wake Forest to Portland. The story of Jalen Horde, a guy I've never yeah. heard. Yeah. A guy who's shooting 35% from the court. <laughs> He's shooting 42% from the court. Uh, yeah, court? it was the home split. Sorry. Oh, okay. Uh, two, 2.7 points per game. Thank you very much, Jalen Horde. All right, yeah. too much Horde. Too much Horde content. Thanks for listening to our podcast. You can follow McKelly on Twitter at Mikey Barra. You can follow me on Twitter at Andrew K. Schlecht. If you're listening to this before the game today, enjoy the Houston Rockets game. Uh, Hope you guys have a great MLK day, Uh, something to celebrate. Um, Just just an amazing person with an amazing legacy. If you um, haven't had time to just look up some of the stuff that Martin Luther King has done, I think it's a good thing to reflect on um, really for anybody any day, but especially on today. So make sure you do that. Hope you guys have a wonderful day, and we will talk to you guys again on Wednesday.